Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. All right. Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. I don't know if we're going to get through this or not. You know, we've been here. This is part number seven. Mark 16, part numbers. Can you imagine that? I thought this would take one week. This is the seventh week. Just can't get through it, seems like. So much to say. Uh, let me again thank all of you that make a difference here and all over the world. India has been very dear to us uh, simply because of the impact that we've made there for the past uh, more than three decades. Uh, I have been uh, supporting them since they first went there. I served on the board of directors with the founding uh, man and woman, uh, PJ and Mary Titus. They have both passed away now. Their sons are uh, uh, now in charge of the ministry there and doing a tremendous job. And uh, I resigned from the board of directors uh, uh, right after the uh, founder passed away. It was uh, just a... uh, you know, just a, uh, a season. Everyone has their season. And today, my son, uh, Ashley, uh, and his wife, Tracy, both of them serve on the board of directors for Christ for India. Ashley is on the U.S. board, the board for the United States uh, for Christ for India. And Tracy is on the U.K. board. Those are Jordan's parents. Yay, Jordan. I love you, Jordan. And Jordan went to India, and uh, she... Uh, she might go again with, with me sometime. She went um, a couple of years ago. And so uh, they serve on the board of directors currently. And so on behalf of uh, the Titus family and on behalf of the board of directors and uh, all those that are supporting, uh, thank you so very, very much for your involvement. It makes a big difference. Two weeks from tomorrow, Robert, Charlotte. Isn't it from tomorrow, two weeks? We head off to Russia. And uh, 25 years ago, we sent this family, their two children, off to Russia. There was 38, 36 from our church and two two others from the community went on that first wave. And uh, thank you so very, very much as we continue to support uh, Russia and reach out to Russia. We will be... uh, uh, meeting with pastors and churches and doing a 25-year anniversary for uh, one church. And then we also have another church we'll be at. And then Pastor Robert and Charlotte were supposed to, you know, uh, I don't go one direction and me another direction to uh, some other churches. But I, I, I don't know. I don't think that that is particularly going to materialize just because we have so much to do in meeting with leadership. And, and it's so far to travel over there. And so please keep us in prayer. We will be gone for a couple of weeks. There's just no other way to do it. Uh, And uh, on the 23rd, on a Sunday, the 23rd, I will not be here. But one of my dear friends from Flagstaff, Arizona, Pastor Daniel Williamson and his wife will be here. He came, drove from Arizona I don't know how many times, with truckloads of supplies and pockets filled with money 
to give to Hurricane Harvey relief victims. He brought, uh, on one trip, brought about 16 people. On another trip, I don't know how many he brought, uh, more people. And, and they worked and worked and worked and worked and did wonderful and uh, were in the schools, was in our community. And so he is so excited about getting to come back and, uh, and uh, share the word. I've asked him just to come and share. As a part of us saying thank you, to, uh, to all of those churches in Arizona that raised all that money. 32 homes we were able to impact and, and uh, the, the uh, church in Flagstaff, Arizona actually completely 100% adopted Miss Grace, an 82-year-old lady in our church who lost everything, completely adopted her and completely rebuilt her home and got it all finished with uh, appliances and everything, you know, redid everything in her home. Uh, they were, you know, just took that on, on top of all the other things they were doing, you know, all over uh, our, our communities. But uh, let me encourage you, please, because I may not get to say it again. Uh, please uh, uh, come out on that Sunday, the 23rd, if you can, and support Pastor Daniel. He is, he is a champion. And he just... It's a long way to Flagstaff. And they uh, drove. When we couldn't get sheetrock, they brought all the sheetrock that went into Coach uh, uh, Joseph Smith and Gloria Smith's home. And then they gave them enough uh, sheetrock to help other people. I mean, we were over there unloading truck sheetrock. And, <laughs> and it, it, it's just amazing uh, all that they did in, in, from Arizona. So God bless them, and uh, please thank him for me. I won't get to see him. I will leave before he gets here, and he will uh, go back before I get back. So just uh, thank him for me, if you would, okay? Pastor Daniel Williamson. Okay. Have you found? Uh, <laughs> I hope you have, because it's right there pretty easy, the 16th chapter of Mark. Tonight we are continuing in our series, Believe and Embrace, and, and uh, we're in part number seven, and tonight uh, I, I want to talk about prophetic fulfillments and just share a little bit about what the Word of God means. When you read the Word of God, what does it really mean? And as we continue in Mark, the, the 16th chapter, uh, you can get a little better grasp, perhaps, of some of the things that when you read them, you might not uh, understand them or, or, or really understand exactly what they're saying at face value and wonder, is it for me? Was it for someone else? What is this that's going on? And how am I supposed to view it and embrace it? And so uh, we'll be reading that in just a moment, but let me begin by telling you as we we have previously discussed that each prophecy, what is a prophecy? A prophecy is a foretelling. That means this, prophecy is a foretelling, telling something before it happened or telling something that happened before. Either one of those qualify as prophecies, okay? It is from a, a Greek word, prophetia, and it means to foretell or to have insight, to see into, to see something that you don't naturally see, something that happened before or something before it happened, all right? And so uh, uh, each prophecy in the Word of God is fulfilled in three separate ways. Each prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus said that every prophecy will be fulfilled. Not one word from God will fall to the ground fruitless. Every jot, every tittle, everything will be uh, 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 fulfilled. But prophecies are fulfilled in three 
ways. Number one, there is a specific fulfillment. This specific fulfillment means that exactly what you read is going to happen exactly the way you read it to somebody at some time in some place, and it will fulfill that prophecy in a very specific way, okay? That will happen, all right? You know, uh, I mean... uh, you remember uh, in Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 43 and verse 2 that, that, you know, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, neither will the flame kindle upon you. You know, I am the Lord your God. Well, 150 years later, we see in Daniel in, in chapter 3 and verse 25 and 27 that that prophecy was specifically fulfilled when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through the fire and they didn't get burned and the smell of smoke was not even on them. You know, we can look to the Word of God and see specific fulfillments of what God said would happen. It happens. You know, Jesus was born of a virgin. You know, Isaiah prophesied, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, there are specific fulfillments to the prophecies. Also, there is a general fulfillment. Generally, every believer can look to the Word of God in a general sense We can profess it, we can claim it, we can hold on to it, we can pray for it, we can have confidence in each and every word of God because the word of God is not only specific to a moment, the word of God is also like a blanket that covers the earth and is a general covering that we can look to and we can pray for. It gives hope to us. You know, in the event, uh, you know, that, that anything, a storm comes our way, we can hold on to Isaiah 43 and say, when we pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow us. And then, and then neither, you know, uh, we, we can pray and we can believe and we can hope. The Word of God gives us general hope for everything. It may not be a rhema word to you, but that does not mean that it does not have power. Okay. Every word of God has power. All the word of God has power. And we can believe and reach out for and profess and confess. Even if God said it to someone else and it was specifically fulfilled in their life, that does not mean that it does not have power in my life. So we can have hope in every word of God. We can hope that that word will release the anointing and will manifest the eternal will of God in my temporary life. I can believe God for raising the dead. Now, Jesus raised Lazarus. There was a specific fulfillment in the Old Testament, specific fulfillments of Casting out devils and, you know, uh, healing the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. I mean, raising the dead. But there is a general word of God. And if you want to pray and ask God to raise the dead, why not? You can lay your hands on them and you you, you can speak. And the general fulfillment of the word of God might just happen even though it may not have been a specific word to you. God may not just speak to you, you go raise the dead. But that doesn't have to keep you from asking God. To raise the dead. That seems a little bit outlandish for some of you. Okay? But it's probably not going to happen if you don't ask him. 
And the general word of God gives us hope. Hello? Okay. The same thing with, with healing the sick. There are sick people that have been healed. Specific words from God, Jesus saying, you're healed. But there's also a general word of God that has gone out over the earth. Now, you may not know whether God is going to heal your body or take you to heaven. But it doesn't keep you from praying and believing that God has the power, that he is able, and that you can petition him and have hope and have faith. And let me tell you, I have had that experience. Twice, doctors have told me that I was not going to make it another day. I didn't know what else to do but to ask God to help. And I don't know how it happened. I wish I could turn it off and turn it on. If I had a switch, I could flip that switch. I'd probably be Pope. (laughs) Reckon? They might make me the president. But you can't turn on and turn off the general will of God. But it does not give us a right to not believe that the word of God has no power just because we haven't heard a thunder from heaven saying this is going to happen. If you ever hear from God, this is going to happen, then that's a good word for you. You hold on to it, okay? But without that, it doesn't mean that you can't reach out and cry out to God. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were reaching out to what they considered was a general word and will of God. It happened to be specific to them because they said, listen, God can't help us, but if it doesn't happen, you know, I mean, they, they, they gave God, uh, you know, a, a credit for being God. Well, there's the specific fulfillment. There's a general fulfillment. And by no means does, does, by no means does this imply that the word of God has no power. Every word of God has power. Every word of God can be hoped in and believed for. Every word of God can, can, can manifest itself in our lives. And it's our duty, our job to believe God and to pray. It's our duty and our job to know that God is able. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew what God was able to do. They did not know what he would do, but they did know what they were going to do. They were going to believe, and they were going to pray, and they were going to obey. And that's what I'm going to do. I am going to believe, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to obey. Now, I cannot manipulate God. I can't bargain with him. I have nothing to give him. I can't promise him anything that he wants. He does what he does because it was paid for through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's why God heals. That's why God saves. That's why God forgives is because his son paid for it and not because of some measly promise I make that I probably won't keep. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, that's that's a good thought. That'll keep the devil from getting you in a corner and getting you to promise something that you're not going to do. Oh, come on. This is better than than, than that, okay? Because you can't bargain with God. You know, God would just simply say back to you, you know, um, I'm I'm sorry, but it's paid for. There was a man, uh, I pastored a church in Ruston, Louisiana back in the 80s. And uh, 
we were in bad need of a drummer. So, so, so bad. We needed a drummer so bad. We needed a drummer so bad. We, we, we had a guitar player and we had a piano player and we had a song leader and some singers, but we didn't have a drum. And in that day, we just needed a drum. We needed somebody just to keep a beat. And so I went and bought some drums and set them up, just believing God for a drummer. And I'd get up and on, I'd, I'd go up there at nighttime and I'd pray for a drummer. And I'd just believe God. And we'd talk about it and I'd just confess it. We were ready for a drummer. And uh, Jeff, do you remember the man that came, the young man that came to our church? He was a drummer. Named Danny. I'd heard he was a great drummer. He'd been drumming for, you know, in clubs and stuff like that. And he got saved and gave his life to Jesus. He got saved in jail, by the way. He was in jail. You know, been at a party, been at a club, been, you know, been uh, doing, you know, uh, smoking pot and everything, and uh, went went to jail. And while he was in jail, while he was at the club, somebody had, had taken a track, of, of, you know, like a four spiritual laws, you know, and, you know, make Jesus Lord of your life kind of thing, a witnessing track. Somebody had gone and they had given it to him and he had taken, he put it in his pocket, but he was still drinking beer and playing, you know, uh, you know, and playing drums and just, you know, doing, doing the bar scene. And so uh, when he got put in jail, uh, he was in jail and they evidently didn't search him real good. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out that track and a joint. And he said, I looked, sitting in that jail, and I, had, I realized I had a choice to make. It was either I could smoke this joint. I was in jail. I could really use that. I could smoke this joint, or I could give my life to Jesus. He said, and sitting in that jail, I decided. And he prayed by that track and made Jesus the Lord of his life. So he got out, and he you know, change his life. He comes to our church. And we needed a drummer. I said, hey, we've been needing a drummer. He said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to play drums anymore. I said, why? He said, well, while I was in jail, I promised the Lord that if he would let me out of jail, if he would save my soul Forgive me of my sins and get me out of jail. I'd never play drums again. He promised God he'd never play drums again. He'd give up playing drums to get saved, get forgiven, and get out of jail. I promised God. I said, well, what did God say about it? <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say to God. What did God say? Because I can promise you God didn't say, okay. He, he got put, you know, just at the time when he's getting saved, the devil put him in a box. And you know, he wouldn't play drums. He didn't play drums for us. Never played drums for us. Never. We went without a drummer. He was God's gift to us as a drummer. But he, he had told God he wouldn't play drums anymore if God saved him. God didn't save him because you quit playing drums. God won't save you because you quit going to the bar. God won't save you because you quit. God, not because you quit cussing. Lord, I promise quit cussing if you'll save me. God don't save you anyway. Now, y'all to quit cussing. <laughs> but God's going to save you for one reason. It's been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ, and he's looking for every technicality he can to save you and help you and bless you, and you've got nothing to bargain with. There's nothing that I have 
that I can offer to God to get him to do anything for me. Okay? There's a lot of things I should offer to God because he saved me, forgave me, and kept me out of jail. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> it's just, don't let that get twisted around. The specific fulfillment of every prophecy is a pointed moment. The general fulfillment can happen at any time, any place, anywhere. And we trust God and we ask him for it. But there's also an eternal fulfillment of every prophecy. And this is what God is really aiming at. With every prophecy, there is an ultimate fulfillment in eternity. We will be in eternity. We will be so saved. <laughs> Does <laughs> that make any sense? I am saved. But man, in eternity, I will be so saved. Okay. Now, the rippling effect of what God did through Jesus, God did all that through Jesus for eternity. Okay? He saved us for eternity. That's, that's the truth. And salvation affects my temporary earthly life. Healing affects my life now, okay? My faith that I have now is for today. It's for now. It's for this life. It's for this world. God prospers me in this world right now. He wants to bless me. He wants to increase me. He wants to give me joy. He wants to give me peace. He wants me to feel loved. He wants me to feel appreciated. He wants me to be forgiven. All of that right here, right now, the rippling effect of that affects my life right now, affects your life right now. But the ultimate thing that God was pointing at, the ultimate reason why God sent Jesus was for our eternity. It's an eternal message. Salvation is an eternal message. You, oh my goodness. Talk about healed, you will be so healed. Joyful, you will be so joyful. At peace, oh my goodness. Okay? So every time we read something in the Word of God, we need to understand that, that God did that to somebody at some time, at some point specifically to fulfill his word, boom, in a, real, in, a, in a specific sense. And then generally, it is out there for whosoever will. It is out there for, I mean, you, you go for it. You have faith. You confess it. You study it. You read it. You pray. You fast. And you push yourself into it and let, the, let, let, let that word of God overwhelm you and let it fill you and heal you and give you joy and give you peace and give you uh, patience. And yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. But one day, glory to God. Woo! We're going to step into a place and see what Jesus paid for. That ultimate fulfilling. Well, that's the way I read the Word of God. That's also the way I read Mark chapter 16. Verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. You know, that has specific, general, and eternal implications. 
Verse 17, and these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We spoke last week. We've been talking about this the seventh week. We talked last week about casting out demons. And, 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 and uh, you know, Jesus' great commission includes the fact that he gave every believer power and authority over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, over demons, to cast them out. Uh, I believe that it is the will of God that we exercise the general and specific authority that God gives us to command demons, devils, and all desires of the enemy to leave our minds, to leave our bodies, to leave our finances alone, to leave our families alone. I believe more of the problems that we face have demonic root and demonic implications than perhaps what we give credit for. We also need to make sure that we're guarding ourselves against our own fleshly appetites. Fleshly appetites cannot be cast out. They have to be absolutely crucified, okay? Our lust and our affections for ungodly things, those are real emotions that push us into places that we shouldn't think, into things we shouldn't do. Some of it is flesh, but also don't discount the fact that there's an enemy out there speaking into your ear, speaking to your heart, trying to oppress you, trying to depress you, trying to bring you down, trying to get you off course, trying to tempt you, just like he did Jesus. We need to realize that we can exercise the voice of command against the enemies. That's what Jesus expected us to do. And one day we will be completely free from all demonic influence. We will ultimately cast the devil down and out at that great last battle between the forces of God and the forces of Satan. This will have an ultimate fulfillment one day. But suffice it to say that we need to make sure that a part of our prayer life includes our commanding demonic forces to leave our family, our friend, our minds, our hearts, our finances. Something in your life, if it's chronic, if, it, if you've done everything you can do and yet it's still persisting, oppression, depression, worry, fear, anxiety, turmoil, you know, uh, frustrations, divisions, you know, uh, just things that are unreasonable. Listen, don't be shy about getting on your knees or standing up on your feet or getting with another friend and commanding the devils to leave you and your stuff and your family, your nation, your friends, your finances, your relationships alone. Don't think for one moment that he is not capable or that these evil forces and spirits are not capable of bringing trouble and tragedy to your life. Stand against them. Fight against them. Push back against the enemy. That is every man's desire. It is a seed of God in us. These signs shall follow them who believe, those that believe. In my name, Jesus said, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. 
Oh my goodness, we're going to talk about speaking in tongues. I got three minutes. There's no way in the world we can talk about speaking in tongues in three minutes. Speaking in tongues. You know, I was born a Baptist, by the way. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Uh, And speaking in tongues was something that scared the living daylights out of everybody uh, in my world. I remember the first time that I was 14 years old. My uncle was a Pentecostal holiness church of God preacher. And he had a, 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 a bunch of boys and three of them were my age. And we liked to run around at nighttime on the dirt roads. We were too young to have a driver's license, so we had to drive on the dirt roads. And, and we had cars and just drove around, and we just hung out together. They couldn't have a TV because it was against their religion. So they got to come to my house, and we'd watch Gunsmoke. And, uh, and they'd all come over when Gunsmoke was on, uh, or wrestling. We watched uh, you know, wrestling back when wrestling was really wrestling. It's, it's now, now it's, you know, it's, 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 it's fake. But it wasn't then. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, uh, we, uh, uh, because he was the uh, uh, preacher at the church, uh, on Saturday nights we'd have church. And, and so uh, I, I, I wanted to learn how to play, play the guitar. So I went over there because everybody at the church played the guitar. There was only about probably, I don't know, uh, 20 people at, in the church. And, and uh, you know, half of us were on stage. And, and so I, I, I got to play the guitar along with because everybody played the guitar and they would sing. I didn't even know what songs were. I just watching when I changed the chords. You know, I just just enjoying myself. Jerry, you know how that is. You know, you learn, 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 love to play and be a part. And well, uh, when I got to be uh, uh, seventeen, I'd been trying to get Brenda to date me for several years. Five years. I asked her for a date when I was 12. When I was 17, she finally said yes. I took her to church on a Saturday night. I was up there playing and singing. That was most of the whole service, you know. I wasn't really exactly that in tune with what was going on in the rest of the service, but evidently, when they have... Uh, when. When they had in that day a, a young lady come in with a, with a short dress and lipstick and, and bouffant hairdo. Um, well, I was up there playing and just having me a good time. Uh, uh, evidently, it was their duty, the rest of them, those, those ladies' duties, to, 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 to go out and get that young girl and bring her down to the altar and make her pray through to get out of sin and get the Holy Ghost. I think this was our third date. Our first one was a beach party where she worked. She asked me to come to the beach party. The second one, I got my mama's car, a 1960 Pontiac Catalina. You know, one of those huge boat-looking cars. And I got it from my mama, and I got to drive all the way to Texarkana, and we went to the drive-in theater there on Highway 67. Whoo! I didn't know, I mean, you didn't have Google. You didn't know what was playing. We drove in there, man, you know, and, and, and it got all set up and up on the big screen, women in chains. <laughs> I was from the country. I didn't really know what, but that, oh my goodness. She and I sat there and went like this. When it was over, we drove out and I drove her home. Woo. Third date, I take her to get prayed through. Well, whenever church was over, I was all happy. You know, I'd been, I'd been playing, you know, for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. She had been praying through for that long. We got out to the car. Oh, Gary, can you imagine the tongue lashing I got? 
She told me, don't you ever ask me to go back to another church. You understand me? Never. I'm talking about that. You know, they, they, uh, uh, <laughs> Charlotte, you know, you were, you were a, 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 a part of a, a group like that. <laughs> Woo! My goodness. And a part of that was due to them speaking in tongues all around her all the time. And it was just scaring the living daylights out of her. Man. Uh, Half, half dancing, half jerking. And when they were doing that, they were jerking her as well. That is some people's picture of speaking in tongues. And that's not a, uh, you know, uh, that is, uh, that is an experience. But it's not uh, perhaps the most common uh, experience uh, or is it necessarily uh, something that uh, we need to hold up as something we don't want to do? That's why this passage is not often really preached on, because it can be a little bit difficult to explain. But Jesus said, these signs shall follow them to believe. They will certainly know how to handle devils. They'll be in control. They'll exercise authority over them. And they will speak with new tongues. This word speak. Speak means in the Greek, the use of words and sounds to communicate or disclose one's mind or declare one's thoughts. Interesting. Speak. Speak. The use of words and sounds to communicate and disclose one's mind or declare one's thoughts. New, speak with new tongues. New means unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of, unusual, and new. Okay? Unheard of, uncommon. Tongues. In the Greek means a language or a dialect specific to and distinct from those languages spoken by other nations. An almost word-for-word -word translation of this verse from the original Greek uh, might would read close to this intent. Close, it, it would read with this intent that these signs shall follow them, those who believe. They will cast out devils and they will begin to make sounds and form words different from their own language as the Spirit gives them the pronunciation. Interesting, huh? We draw this doctrine of speaking in tongues. We draw this doctrine primarily from Acts chapter 2. Let's look at that real quick so I'll have something to leave you with and thinking about so that we can come back and go a little further in this next week. Acts 2 verse 1. The Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, there were with one accord... They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As I said that they began to make sounds. What happened here in Acts Jesus had uh, 
been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, spent 40 days with them, talking to them and teaching them. Then he ascended up into heaven, and then they went basically into hiding for another week. And when that week was over, it was on a Sunday morning that there was 120 people in an upper room in Jerusalem. And they were praying because they were afraid. They believed in Jesus, but they were afraid that if anybody found out that they were not, you know, that, that they too would be crucified, that they too would be executed. And so they were locked up for fear, the Bible says, of the other religious leaders. And while they were praying, they were in one accord and they were praying together. The Bible says that on that day, the 50th day after the crucifixion uh, of, of, of Christ, on that day, the day of Pentecost, on that day, God sent the Holy Spirit from heaven. What was it? It was a specific fulfillment of a prophecy given by Joel Hundreds of years earlier, in Joel chapter 2, Joel the prophet had prophesied by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said that in the last days, God will pour his spirit out upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Upon your handmaidens and your men servants will I pour out of my spirit on that day and they shall prophesy. Okay. Now, this in Acts 2 was a specific fulfillment of a prophecy that was given by Joel. Now, this specific fulfillment happened in Jerusalem and the power from on high, just what Jesus had said in Luke 24 and verse 49, he told them, wait here in Jerusalem. He told these 120 people, you wait right here in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This word endued means until I have taken the power of God and I have permanently positioned it inside of you. I have immutably stationed it in your life. You wait right here. Don't go out anywhere else, but you wait until I give you the power of God in your life so that you can be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and everywhere in the world you go, you will have the power that means the ability, not just a witness, but to be a demonstrative witness of the kingdom of God. So here they were in this upper room. And here God poured out this specific fulfillment of this prophetic utterance by Joel. From that day unto this day, not every person who is born again has this experience of being, of, of being filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues. Okay? It was a specific fulfillment there, and it filled every one of them, all 120 of them, filled with the Holy Ghost. It began to speak in tongues. Okay? Today we are living in a general fulfillment 
God expects us to pray for it, just like you're going to pray for healing, just like you're going to pray for prosperity, just like you're going to pray for anything else, to pray for it, to believe for it, to, 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 to seek it, to fast, to pray, to push yourself in as though you were seeking something that is a gift of God that was paid for on the cross of Calvary that does not automatically and, and, and specifically happen to every born-again Christian just because they get born again. But the ultimate fulfillment in heaven, you're not going to be just speaking English. I'm told we're going to speak Spanish. That's what, the, that's what my, uh, my Spanish pastor friends say, that Spanish is the heavenly language, you know. I mean, every one of them say the same thing. I guess they all learned it in, in, in the Spanish preacher school. I don't know. But they all, they all, all of them say the same thing. You know, Spanish is the heavenly language. You're going to speak Spanish in heaven, you know. In heaven, we're going to speak, no doubt, a great conglomeration of angelic, spiritual, Holy Spirit utterances that we speak, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the life, and the, and the hell, and all the things of God that will give the pronunciation of whatever it is that we are trying to enunciate. What do you imagine you're going to speak in heaven? What, do you th what language do you speak, think God speaks? Do you think you're going to understand the Apostle Peter? Do you think when you get to heaven, you're going to understand somebody that was born again in, in Cuba in, in the 1700s or in, or in, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, in uh, South Africa in the, in the 1400s? Do you think that you're going to understand someone from Italy and someone from China? Do you think you're going, I mean, 29,000 people every day get born again in China. Do you think you're going to go to heaven? And most of heaven will be Chinese, evidently, okay? Think about it. 50,000 people get born again every day, 29,000 of them are Chinese. You better start learning Chinese if you want to know what's going on in heaven. <laughs> that or you better hope that God can do a miracle on your mouth and on your ear so that you can understand what's being said and you can say something that other people understand or else you're going to be very lonely in heaven. There is an ultimate fulfillment of this baptism of God to the point to where we speak a heavenly language. There was a specific fulfillment of speaking a heavenly language. But right now we are in a general moment in a time when the blanket of truth has been thrown out over the earth. And if you press in, if you want to, there are two, two prerequisites, the Bible says, for being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Number one, that you are willing to obey God, live a life that's pleasing to God. And number two, that you ask. That's Acts 5.32, God gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey him. And Luke 11.13, God gives the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. Those are the same pre uh, prerequisites for everything else, every other gift of God. Am I making any sense? Okay. Now, here's what I wish. I wish when we got saved that we were never, ever, ever sick again that we had all the money and all the gold and silver that we ever needed, that no devil could ever touch us, that I'd never have another worry, never another pain, I'd never be afraid. Wouldn't that be great? I could just speak a heavenly language and I could just be healed and whoo, glory to God. That don't happen. That's something I'm supposed to believe for. 
That's something I'm supposed to engage myself in. That's something I'm told I have to fight for. That's something I'm told my peace I have to grow. My joy I have to grow. When I got born again, I just didn't get filled with all the joy I'd ever need. These are things that we press into. Speaking in tongues is of God. It is the word of God. It is the, the, the will of God. As much as healing is the word of God, the will, as much as joy is the word of God, as much as forgiveness is the word of God and the will of God, and sometimes it's, it's difficult and we must press ourselves into it. But who would ever imagine, well, this forgiveness is not the will of God. Joy is just not the will of God for my life. Which one of God's gifts? God said the one thing we should fear most is that anything that he left of us, any of us should fall short of something that Jesus Christ paid for us to have. Okay? Uh, we'll pick up next week because tongues is, is, is often very controversial among uh, the religious. Okay? Uh, it, is, it, it just is. But it wasn't just a miracle of speaking that day of Pentecost. It was also a miracle of hearing. And I believe the Holy Spirit grants us power to do both. A power of understanding and a power of communicating in a heavenly language. Okay. All right.